Amen and amen. Uh, God is so good. Let's open up to our Bible to 1 Kings chapter 17. Uh, for those of y'all who are here, like I said with the hymnals, uh, feel free to touch these, uh, the hymnals and the psalters. You're the only ones going to be touching them for a whole week, and, and the virus doesn't live that long. The session in the diaconate has looked at these things. Uh, we haven't consulted particularly with the CDC, but they have shown us what they say on the website. So we've consulted with them. It is okay. So if you don't have your Bible, take that pew Bible. It's just fine. Uh, uh, nobody has touched it before. Uh, nobody will be touching it for, a, hopefully, Lord willing, another seven days. Uh, those at home, the words will come up uh, as I begin to read. But before that, uh, as I had mentioned, maybe y'all were with uh, me at the live stream. I'm glad some of y'all are laying eyes on me this week. But uh, we finished up that call of Moses. We were in Exodus 1, 2, Three, and then a little bit of four, uh, those uh, first kind of beginning chapters. And we saw how God was moving and how God hears his people. Well, built onto that foundation, uh, really that was kind of to whet our appetites for what it means for God to move for his people in salvation. And so uh, we're beginning a new sermon series as we enter back into the sanctuary. I think one that's very appropriately um, uh, titled for the series, God's power to save. It's, of course, the life of Elijah. We have seen uh, the life of Peter. It's actually the first sermon series I did when I arrived here at Centennial about three and a half years ago. Uh, we have done the life of Joseph at the uh, back part of the book of Genesis. And so as I was looking and praying, I thought we haven't done a life of series in a while. Uh, and so as I prayed to see where God might lead us as a congregation, I could think of no better place than 1 Kings 17, which might surprise some of you, but uh, maybe not others. Uh, you know, Elijah the prophet, uh, Elijah's name, a very simple one, uh, my, my God is Yahweh. Um, my God is God, um, Yahweh, uh, Yah, Elijah, Eli, Yah, my God is Yahweh. Uh, a very simple proclamation for a very simple man. Uh, he came in power to do what God told him, and some people say, wow, he's real harsh. Other people say, wow, he's real powerful. Somebody in the middle, which I hope is where we'll find ourselves, will say, wow, look at God revealing himself in power, saving his people. Over and over again, revealing the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we'll see that this morning as we begin this series. I think it's a great one for a lot of different reasons for us now. Uh, because the people of God were hard put. Uh, this was uh, not a simple time for those following after the Lord. In fact, uh, they were very few. Uh, Elijah seemed to think he might be the only one. Am I the only one? Of course, God, if you remember that story, said, no, you're not. Uh, there's quite a few who haven't bent the knee. But even for Elijah to have to say that, uh, it, it seems to show that the whole world, or at least what we might call Christendom, I think is a better way to say it, Christendom at the time in Israel had shattered. Uh, there is a king on the throne, uh, Ahab, and as I said before, he uh, is not a lover of God. Uh, some would go so far as to say he is a hater of God. Uh, he, uh, uh, of course, we maybe you know his wife Jezebel, and we'll see her, but uh, this, this is a, a season where it seems like everything has gone wrong. No one is looking to the Lord. Everyone has been incited to anger and emotion, right? Uh, everyone is, to use a crass term, freaking out. Yeah? 
And it seems like this season for us might uh, have great clarity as we look to the word here. That's my prayer at least. And so uh, we go now to this life of Elijah where we see God's power to save. We start with this introduction where we see Elijah just kind of happen on the scene. He's just some guy from Tishbe and boom, here he is. And that's, that's where we begin things. Before I read the word, before I pray for the word, this is the main point. It's really just three points, but uh, it's worth me saying so y'all can have it in your mind and for note takers as y'all write it down. God gives his people ground to stand on. Okay, that's the first part of the main point. God gives his people ground to stand on. Then he gives us reasons for life's circumstances. And then, after those two things, we begin to see hope in the midst of hopelessness. What a wonderful message from God to us now. God gives his people ground to stand on, reasons for life circumstances, and hope in the midst of hopelessness. Let's pray for the reading of God's word. Heavenly Father, uh, this reading of your word is powerful if you bless it. And so, God, we ask that by your spirit, he would wield this like the two-edged sword we see in the book of Hebrews that divides even in between bone and marrow, that cleaves the soul. Lord, change us with the reading of this word. As we hear it proclaimed, help us to see and to hear and to know, God, please, in Jesus' name, amen. This is 1 Kings 17, starting with verse 1. Now Elijah the Tishbite of Tishbe of Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. And the word of the Lord came to him, Depart from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. You shall drink from the, uh, from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. He went and lived by the brook Cherith that is east of the Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. And after a while, the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but this word stands forever. May we be blessed by it today. Now, uh, thinking about that main point, we can turn it into question form. This text answers three questions. Um, uh, the first is, where shall we stand? The second is, how shall we serve? And the third is, what will we know after those two things? Let's tackle that first question that we see in verses 1, 2, and 3 of our text this morning. Where shall we stand? The answer is that we shall stand on the living word of God. Notice the word that is both given and received here in verses 1 through 3. The word is given and it's meant to disrupt the life in Israel because they turned away from God. It's as simple as that. That's Elijah the prophet speaking on behalf of God and putting a stop to all the dew and rain. And if you're looking for more to it, that's it. No dew on the ground when you wake up. You say, well, that's weird. 100% humidity, nothing on the ground, right? Uh, when, when you look up into the sky, no clouds, no rain, nothing. Dry as a bone. That's the word given to Israel. Israel remembers the northern kingdom. There's Israel in the north. There's Judah in the south. 
uh, Elijah is in the north right now. Uh, typically, when we think of Israel, we think of faithlessness. That's uh, kind of a broad overview of the splitting of the kingdoms. Okay. The word is not only given, though, the word is received. It's uh, meant to preserve Elijah, and we see that uh, when God is speaking, and Elijah, uh, he's speaking to Elijah, telling him, hey, go hide. <laughs> go hide, because you've just said that there's going to be no rain, and if you've ever been into a farming community or a large kingdom, and you think, man, if there's a drought on the whole country, where are they going to get their corn? How are they going to water their, their sheep? Their oxen and their cattle, what are they going to do? They're not going to do anything. It's, it's the ultimate judgment on the entire life structure of a whole nation. No water. Done. No baths, no drinking water. It's all gone, right? Uh, whoa, that is something to behold. And so God says to Elijah, he receives a word, go hide. You need to go hide and you need to do it now. Go to that brook Cherith. On the other side of the Jordan. That way you won't get caught and killed. Now, where shall we stand? Remember, that's the question. We shall stand on the living word of God. It, it reveals both God's power and his provision. In power, God speaks. In provision, God speaks. And this word, full of power and provision, is what God gives his people to stand on. But... As the people of God, do we use this sure footing? Uh, it's an easy yes, right? But be careful. Be careful. When a pandemic strikes, do you immediately have a biblical ethic to move within? Did you have the answers from the Bible of how we should operate? When racism rears its ugly head, do you immediately have the scriptural knowledge about justice and the ethic that God calls out on these things and what it means for us to maneuver within conversations with people that are white-hot angry and with people that are stone-cold. Do we have the capability to enter into conversations as the Lord would call us to? Work, school, play, family, and everything else under the sun. Do you really stand on the word of the living God? Or are you shin deep in the muck and the mire of this sinful world, wondering just why it is so hard for you to take another step? Because you're so confused and you don't know why everyone is so upset all the time. You don't have an answer. You're looking to the world for it and there's nothing there. And so perhaps you fall into that muck and mire. Have you ever stood in uh, what I'm talking about? Deep, deep mud. You have your boot on. And you think, Lord, don't let my boot fall off. But then he actually grants your prayer. And what happens next? You flop over onto your face, right? That's what happens next if you're shin deep, right? You'd rather lose your boot at that point. But no, you go face first. It happens to us. And it can happen so quickly because this world is sending. Perhaps Satan is sending so many different fiery darts at us at all times that if we are not the people standing on the word of God, what happens? We're swept away. And yet God has told us, where shall you stand? We shall stand on the living word of God. He has given us that which we need to operate within this world. It is all here. It doesn't give us the answers to uh, 
this is how you make a vaccine for COVID-19. Don't take me too far like that. That's silly. It's a straw man. It does give us the opportunities to spiritually maneuver this world. That is what I mean when we stand on the living word of God. But do you do it? It's a question for you today. God gives his people ground to stand on, and continuing on, he also gives us reasons for life's circumstances. This uh, uh, can be seen when we answer our second question, how shall we serve? We kind of overlap on verse 3 if you're taking notes. This is 3 through 6. Uh, how shall we serve? The answer, we shall serve in faith, recognizing God's wisdom and provision. Let's get the picture real quick of Elijah in our head. Elijah had arrived. Elijah was called, uh, he's just a, a podunk nobody, right? Uh, he's called out of Fayetteville, Tennessee. You say, Fayetteville, Tennessee, what? Nobody, right? Uh, he comes in and he walks, as it were, into the state house or the White House. And he says, hey, I got something to say. No rain. That's what God told me to tell you, right? He had arrived. He was the most powerful mouthpiece of God at the time. He was the prophet of the living God, giving the messages of judgment and salvation. He had the power of uh, miraculous healing, even raising people from the dead. He uh, was uh, uh, by far uh, revealing the power of God and majesty there uh, more than any prophet, perhaps since Moses. Greater maybe some might say than even that great prophet Samuel who was anointing all these kings. Uh, Elijah is on the scene. He had arrived. But let's think about that. Because there's more to the story, right? Verses 3 through 6, we see a, a pretty big transition pretty quickly. Uh, let's think about the world's definition of success. Uh, I don't want to get too complicated here. I think we can actually sum it up pretty easily. More money, more power, more things, more prestige, more influence, more notoriety. More, more, more. Whoever your friend group is, whatever your culture is, as long as you've got more or whatever it is that they want, you've made it. You've arrived. Right? Uh, for the people of God, even a wandering people of God, like in Israel, you have arrived if you're the mouthpiece of God. You can't get too much higher. Uh, maybe Ahab is thinking he's higher because he's the king, uh, but even the king is getting a little slighted at Elijah's presence. And so uh, you see this moment, right, where in the world's eyes Elijah has arrived, but how shall the people of God serve? Remember the answer. We shall serve in faith recognizing God's wisdom and provision. Elijah had arrived somewhere, and then in faith, Elijah listened to God, and he went to that place where all of a sudden, he's getting water from a brook and food from a raven. He arrived, in other words, nowhere. He, he's in the total wilderness, hiding so he doesn't get killed. A raven has to bring him a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I mean, what are we doing? Can you imagine? Uh, a raven. Have y'all seen ravens or crows? They're, they're not the most, uh, it's not a sparrow, maybe I'll say. It's not a sparrow. Some, somebody in the audience, they're, they're, uh, uh, they're smart. They're smart. That's how they knew to get the bread. That, you're right, they are smart. I feel like they're a little evil. But the Lord, when you see them, right? But the Lord uses it. It's just a bird, right? It's just a smart bird. And the Lord uses this raven. And he brings Elijah this food. But all of a sudden, Elijah, he's, of course, at the will of God. But he, he's at the will of this bird. In the world's eyes, he's nowhere. 
He's nowhere. He's being provided for by God, and God alone, in the world's eyes, he's nothing in the blink of an eye. It's incredible. There is a reason for God's circumstances in your life. Guaranteed. I hope that I'm not the first person that has told you that. There is a reason. That pain, that frustration, that sickness, that death, this virus, that job loss, that job that's driving you crazy but you feel so bad because at least it's a job and your friends don't have one. Whatever situation it is, whatever circumstance it is, God is all-powerful and God is working. Guaranteed. That, that is a baseline level of who God is. If we are to believe that the Lord exists and that the Lord is outside of time, the very creator of time, the one who has created all, then we must realize that the Lord is working in our circumstances. But that's hard, right? That's hard. Can you imagine Elijah? You know, Elijah, he, he, I mean, he's a holy man. He shows himself a man, though, elsewhere as we move in his life. And we'll see that, where he begins to despair. And I would wonder here, in this first part of his call, he says, wow, you called me to the brook, eh, Lord? <laughs> Thought I would at least have a house, you know? You said no rain, but I didn't know that meant me. And, you know, what, what are we doing here? You know, can I make a tent at least? You know, what is this, right? And maybe you feel like you're at that brook. Uh, you just don't understand. But, but there's this moment where as we begin to recognize who God is and who we are, and as we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and we're going to get there, and y'all see that, that these circumstances, uh, as we dwell on them in our sinfulness, we begin to try to think that we know better than God. And that's a dangerous game to play. In fact, that puts us in the camp of Israel and Ahab, that king rather than in those who are following after him. That pain, that frustration, it's there for a reason. And as you pray and as you cry out to God for revelation and for what it means, there will be answer on this side of the veil or the other. That is the hope that Christians carry as we see a God who is in control, no matter the chaos that we believe we see around us. God gives his people ground to stand on. And there are reasons for life's circumstances. He also gives us hope in the midst of hopelessness. So this is really a carryover, right, of that previous one. What's your circumstance? Do you feel like you're hopeless? I, some people think, no way. I know more than five right now in this congregation who are hopeless, or they might say they were, in a moment of weakness. And so we need to be careful to be outright prideful and to say no. We can see hope in the midst of hopelessness, which we'll see when we answer our third question. What will we know when we serve God? It's verse seven, the culmination. The answer, we will know God's power, and because of that, we will grow in hope of salvation and preservation. It's one thing to say the world is gonna dry up, right? Hey, no more rain. You heard it here first, folks. No rain outside. Silly, right? Y'all know it, I know it. Silly. 
that's just me joking, right? It's one thing just to say the world's going to dry up. It's another thing for the world to dry up. Elijah was a man called by God to speak on behalf of God. As a prophet called like this, he remained faithful. Even as God called him into circumstances that he probably wasn't expecting. It's while he's standing on the word of God given in those unexpected circumstances that can seem hopeless, that he witnesses God's true word, true power, and true intentions. Verse 7, it's one thing to say it. It's another thing to witness it. What does it say? After a while, that brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. There was no rain in the land. Today, right now, this very moment, we have the same opportunity as Elijah to know God's power and to grow in hope. But do we seize that opportunity or do we let it slip past us? In the 21st century, Christian, and by that I mean Bible-believing church in the southern part of the United States of America. That's all I can speak for, because that's all I'm a pastor of. That's the only place that I know. That's okay. I know some missionaries elsewhere that might be able to give us testimony of some of this as well. But here, in our place, I can tell you, we don't seize the opportunity. We don't. You can tell me we do, and I will not believe you. We don't seize the opportunity to know and to grow in the Lord's power, giving us hope of that salvation and preservation. And here is the astounding part. God still saves us. And God still blesses us. Isn't that remarkable? God's true word, service and faith, and knowledge of God's power, it plays out like a shadow in the life of Elijah because Elijah is pointing us straight to that reality of Jesus Christ. You know, Elijah, he, he has such a part to play in God's plan that he has two, two scenes. Uh, he has a scene in the Old Testament and then he gets a scene in the New Testament. Isn't that crazy? Uh, we see God prophesying uh, through his prophets that that Elijah's going to come again. We see that fulfilled in John the Baptist. And so here, <coughs> excuse me. And so here, as we are looking to see just what in the world do we get from a raven and a brook and a little bit of bread and meat? <laughs> what is that? I'm telling you, it's the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. God is revealing, in shadow of course, this reality of provision, of preservation, of salvation for one of his own. Oh, one of his own, by the way, who's standing on the word, who listened to him and who went and spoke, who goes forward. And there, in that moment, we begin to see that full reality of Jesus, where he takes on that flesh, where he lives that life, where he dies that death for you and for me as we believe in him. God's spirit stirs in his people, causing us to believe. But we too often squander the opportunity to grow in the hope of salvation and preservation, whether you're here physically or whether you're worshiping with us from afar. Whichever one can today be a recommitment for us. Can today, 
be a moment where we together as a people begin to seize that opportunity of standing on God's word, of serving him in faith, and then of beholding his power. I'm not saying that we're not doing it totally, but I am saying that we are doing it weekly. Uh, it's not just us at Centennial. I think it's all of Christianity in the southern part of the United States of America. I'm not going to speak past that, but think about those things with me if you do not believe it. Search the scriptures and see what it means for us to do what it is that Elijah's doing here in just seven verses and see where we find ourselves as we maneuver that. Uh, I've been telling our elders, a couple deacons, a few other uh, church members, so my prayer with COVID-19 is that we would be different on the other side of it. You know, it's been three months, four months, how many ever months, the cross is up, right? Haven't been here since before Easter. What's it mean as we come back in? What's it mean? Was it just a pause? Was it a pause on the TV and then we press play again and everything's the same? Do you think that's how God works? Because I don't. I think that we've been brought to the brook. I think that we have been provided bread and meat, although it's a little bit because a raven is big, but he ain't that big, right? Uh, this has not been the full meal like we're used to as we find ourselves in the fellowship at Centennial. And yet, we are being provided for, and God is revealing himself in power and majesty, even through the ravens that have been feeding us in this time. Could we be different? Could we be different from this point on? What would it look like? Session and I, we've been talking about that. Relationships, one-on-one, -on -one, talking about Jesus. You talk about Jesus? You know, I'm the uh, uh, Horizon Quest speaker. Miss Lynn, I think, is outside. But uh, I, I have the great opportunity to speak at Horizon Quest live stream, though, not, not at Von Clarken. And uh, this is where we'll end. Um, I asked them... When's the last time you said Jesus out loud? <laughs> it's a weird question, right? When's the last time you said Jesus out loud to another person? Not taking his name in vain either. Maybe it's a little bit more convicting than you want to think it is. But what does it mean for us to change? Maybe slightly, maybe greatly. And as a people of God at Centennial, which, by the way, we are set up in this city to share God's name far and wide in our community and beyond, could we be different? While we're at the brook, maybe we could pray on that because I don't think we're going to be there for very much longer. Elijah's story continues just like ours does. Be praying with me about those things. Where shall we stand? On the living word of God. How shall we serve? In faith, following God. What will we know? We will know God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for Centennial. In Jesus' name, amen.